At RWJ Barnabas Health, we have a passion for heart health. With the largest adult and pediatric cardiac surgery programs in the state, a heart transplant program that's top 15 in the nation, a partnership with Rutgers Health, the latest technology and medical advancements and nationally renowned care for every heart in every one of our communities. Whoever your heart beats for, our hearts beat for you. Let's be healthy together. Visit rwjbh.org heart. Welcome into another episode of Speak of the Devils, presented by RWJ Barnabas Health, the official health care provider of the New Jersey Devils. Joining us now is Mike Rupp, uh, former devil turned broadcaster and studio analyst on the NHL Network. Uh, how are you doing today, Mike? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Good. It's good to have you here. Yeah, no, thanks for having doing me on. Good. Man, good. Time. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's you know it's an interesting time of the year. Obviously, Devils fans listening to this podcast, we wish we were gearing up for the playoffs and yeah. getting ready to go. But you, as a broadcaster, are gearing up for the playoffs. What's life like for you right now? Um, yeah, it's just kind of that, right? They just I, I usually go pretty heavy on on the schedule come playoff time. Um, so it's uh, that's kind of the way I want it, right? That's what when you want to be watching hockey and submerged in it so um yeah it's just uh getting ready for that we've got some storylines still playing out and then it's going to be a a two month uh a little bit of a chaos of a schedule but it's i love it man i love sitting there and uh uh you you get there some nights uh, you're on air and these games go to triple overtime and it's two in the morning and you're watching these games in studio and it's, it's, I enjoy it. It's, it's a blast. So um, that's just kind of the schedule right now. Just seeing how some of these storylines are shaking out and getting ready. Uh, what is it? May 2nd when the playoffs start. Yeah. Kind of touching on that. What is a day in the life of Mike Rupp when you're trying to track 18, 20 different teams, some trying to get in the playoffs. Cause obviously for us, we follow one team. We watch every game. We're very in tune to the one team, but, we're not as in touch with around the league. How hard is it to kind of follow every team and be in tune with what's happening with those clubs? Um, you know what? I, I'll tell you this much. I've, I've, I think of it two ways. I I've never watched so much hockey than I watch now. And if I uh, just like anything else in life, when you look back to maybe some of the things you did when you were younger, I wish I would have watched hockey when I played in the league a little bit more. Uh, you, when you're a player, you, yeah, you, you flip it on, you watch from time to time, at least uh, I did, but it was like, I needed to get away from it. Like you wanted to have to the ability to unplug. So now I sit here and the way I'm able to like watch the game and it's, it's much easier from here where you're sitting there and you're bringing it back and watching it 10 times, slowing it down and, and just pick things you pick up on now. And uh, so I, I think that the biggest thing is just trying to find like that rhythm, right. And find what works for me to make sure, I mean, nothing's worse. I, I, I early on when I started doing this, um, I'd go in uh, to NHL network for a week, then I'd be off a week. And so when you're in during the week, it's easy because you're in there and you're doing it and you're submerged. That's, that's all that's happening. And then life kind of happens when you're off for a week. And then when I would come back in, I just felt, I felt like there was times where I went in and I'm like, I don't, I don't like the feeling here. Like I got to find a routine where I feel like I'm, I, I, I don't want to be, I don't always say the, the, the perfect things, give the perfect answers. People might disagree with what I'm saying, but I, I don't want to ever say something and not 
know or at least have done some research on it so i think i found like a, a schedule where i love my mornings my mornings i'm not really a good morning person to be honest with you like i you know i don't speak a word for about uh, uh probably the first hour or two hours that i'm up but that's my time i get i brew a pot of coffee and i sit down and uh it's about reading and getting up on on everything that happened the night before um you know, watching some clips, following some things. And, and, and on that same note, there's organizations where, you know, you have, you guys are devils every day, right? I'm not devils every day. So there's times where I, I have, and I write down, all right, well, this team is a team I need to refresh on. I need to watch their game this week. I, I have to get a little more dialed in here. I'll make a phone call when I'm in the car and start trying to, you know, figure out things that maybe, all right, make sure I'm accurate with this. This is what I think, but I want to, I want some information to back that up before I say it uh, on air. And um, you rely a lot of times on whether it's contacting personnel on the team or beat writers. Um, that's, that's a big, that's a big value in what we do because there's times where I formulate an idea of what I think and what I see, but I'm not, I'm not seeing every second. So I want to double check those things with, uh, with, with people in the business. Um, so you, you've got some, some people that are amazing and, and they're great and they want you to, uh, you know, it's about those relationships too. You know, you have once in a while, it's like, you have, uh, uh, you'll have a GM that'll tell you some information because maybe they want to make sure that the perception of things could be different. And so you want to kind of collect those things, but then kind of bounce those things off other people. So I, I found like a good, a good rhythm now. And uh, now it just seems like kind of part of everything I do each day. Well, glad you kind of brought us through a pseudo day in the life. We got your morning schedule, but let's go to a night situation. You said yeah. sometimes the best goes till two, three in the morning. When you're at the network, you're watching all these multiple screens, all these multiple games. How are you preparing for a show to kind of do the rundown? Because obviously you can't watch every game at the same time. So you're tuning in here, tuning in there and making notes. And so what's a day in the, what's a night in the life, I guess, of Mike Rupp when you're trying to track all these games in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, the best is, I think the best is the first round. Um, I always love that. I think that's always the best round in the NHL playoffs because it's just chaos. And I love when you're in an NHL network. So, you know, those people listening that aren't, in tune with it all the time. It's kind of like red zone, right? NFL red zone where we're just bounced around from game to game, getting live looks, um, getting updates, getting goals, getting big things that happen in the game. Uh, so you're sitting there, you got, we've got a monitor with all these games on. I, Twitter's kind of your best friend also, because there's things that pop up that come to us via Twitter before we even get it running through the control room. So we'll sit there. If there is a, um, a goalie in uh, a Calgary game that tweaks something, um, we're finding on there. So while we're in a live look, it might be like, hey, let's, uh, we need some information. What's going on in Calgary? Um, can you let us know? But I, I love it because it's kind of gotten to the point now where if there's anything that even in these live looks, a lot of times we take it with sound full. So we've got the, the commentating happening. But if something happens in week C, Kevin Weeks is the best with it, where he's just like, bring in the mics, bring in the mics. I want it now. And, you know, and they bring it in and it just goes, you know, and I think that that's what's fun is like, it's not, um, we have the ability to, when we feel passionate about something that kind of hijack the show. And that's fun because we don't always do that because uh, you want to keep it kind of special when you're feeling that way about something. But 
um yeah it's 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 crazy i mean you'll be in there some some nights for you know it's a work day people that uh when you go to work and you're working the nine to five those are long days i get it um I'm not trying to say this is anything more than that, uh, but when you're on air for four hours and and you have to you have to pay attention to what you're saying and it's 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 draining. But when you're doing it with all those games on, man, it's it's cool because it flies by. It flies by. You sit there and uh, you, I mean, what what a better job? You sit there and watch a bunch of hockey games to give your opinion on what you what you think's happening. There's a lot of worse things out there. I, I mean, we can tell by the way you're speaking that you just. You love it. You, you love being in there. I mean, but what, did you know, know when you were a player that you wanted to ultimately get into broadcasting? Were you really good with the, the post-game and post-practice interviews and you thought I could do this? Or what was that moment for you where a light bulb went on and said, look, I want to be a broadcaster? Um, you know what? I always grew up. Uh, I'm, I've always been like a sports talk, <clears throat> excuse me, sports talk junkie listening to sports talk radio. Um, I used to listen to Jim Rome all the time. Um, you know, I, I, I have the, the things I used to listen to, even growing up in, in Cleveland, used to listen just sports talk radio. And I like the speed of it. I like, I don't know, that, that was like, a, that was background, I guess, music for me was having sports talk. And even now, like I'll be driving from Western PA to, to New Jersey to, to work. And it's like, uh, there's some times where I'm like, hey, you know what? I should probably give myself a break here. And, and I'm just bouncing around listening to different podcasts, uh, listening to just all different things and all sports, really. I, I don't know. I've always really liked it. So I, I always had that in me. I didn't know I was going to do this. I did know at the end of my career, just for the type of player I was, I was, I was going to need to work. So um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I think that's a scary time for for a lot of guys. So um, I remember, uh, you know, again, Kevin Weeks is one of my closest buddies. We played together in Jersey for, for a year and we've been close ever since. And uh, I saw, man, he was knocking it out of the park. He was really successful on hockey night in Canada. And I, I'd pick his brain on it. And, and um, he was just kind of like, this keeps the competitive juices flowing. It's the closest thing um, that you feel like you, you're, you're talking the game. You're, you're, you're speaking to people involved in the game. And I think the big thing for me was, that I had numerous people tell me, just don't disappear when you're done retiring. And don't just, uh, I get it. Everybody's got to take time. You've got to get back and, and you have families and, and all those things, but just don't fall off the face of the earth for two years because it's going to be really hard to get back in. And that's whether you're going to do this or you're going to do uh, coaching or get involved in scouting or player development or whatever the situation is. So I thought this was a way I'm like, all right, I'll try this out. Like this will give, give me a way of, kind of still staying staying relevant um and not, not not just staying relevant but just paying attention to the league and having conversations creating some relationships and Elliot Friedman helped me out with that he put me in contact with the NHL network and uh yeah I didn't know I was going to do this I was trying it just like I think all players should when they retire try it out see if you like it and I really did like it and so it just kind of I didn't plan on doing this long term i don't know what the future holds how much longer i'll be doing it but i, I enjoy it so uh, it, it's something that uh, is really fun and i and quite frankly like I, I it's fun too because i'd be i'll be at arenas or i'm covering the all-star game and i i'm a i was a fan of the game too that's why i played hockey and i'll be walking around i'm, I'm having conversations with whether it's a gm or guys that are scouting for teams and you know in my mind i'm like this guy knows who i am you know i i run into 
Steve Eiserman. He's like, what's up, Rupper? I'm like, I'm like, Stevie, why knows who I am, dude? This is unbelievable. So it's like a cool, it's a cool thing. And just to have those relationships and talk to people. And uh, so, yeah, I'll keep doing it. I, I enjoy it. And uh, it's, it's been good to me. So when you first made the transition, obviously like someone like Chris and I, we've gone to college, we've learned some of the tricks of the trade and all that stuff. But as a player, you, I assume you never took a broadcasting class beforehand. I mean, how did you prepare for that transition? Did you get some advice? Did you take classes or did you just jump right in and say, all right, let's see how this goes. And maybe what was the hardest transition part? The hardest transition probably for me and, and you know, probably not towards the end of my career. I started dabbling with a few things I do. Uh, I did NHL on, on Sirius XM. I do some, some weekly hits um, as a player still. And so I was starting to get better. But as a, as a kid, I was terrified of public speaking. You know, when we had to present projects, I mean, I was nights of not being able to sleep. So this isn't something that, um, you know, now people say hey, I can't shut up. So it's, it's, it's just funny, but you got to get comfortable. You got to, uh, the, the best advice I got was take on as much as you can. And no matter what it is, if it's paid, not paid, whatever the circumstances are, and just keep it going like that. And I remember, Nick Kiprios gave me advice on, on that. I mean, there's numerous guys. There's just so, and, and put yourself in, in tough spots, awkward spots. So I've done things from, uh, you know, I had a, I had a connection in Cleveland. I, I started, I did some hits uh, speaking on about the Browns <laughs> and it's like, it was cool because I'm like, all right, I, I feel like I, I, I didn't play in the NFL, but this is uncomfortable. Like people could call me out here. So I got to make sure I know my stuff. And it makes you like very, like, uh, you got to own what you're saying. Uh, you got to believe in what you're saying, but then also it's speaking engagements. I started just uh, offering up like when there was charitable functions. Um, hey, if you need someone to MC it, I'll do it. And uh, you don't got to pay me anything. I just want to come in. And it's awkward. It's, it's tough. But those are the things that I was told. Just do as much speaking engagements in, in many different ways as you can. And then it eventually just got to the point where you just feel adaptable and you don't really care. You're just going to speak. And uh, so it's always a work in progress. I'm always trying to clean certain things up, sometimes being a little more concise. And that seems to be a problem of mine sometimes. So it's a work in progress. I, I just have to learn by kind of getting thrown into the fire. We'll, we'll pick your brain about the Cleveland Browns quarterback situation, maybe on another podcast. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> for this one. Interestingly enough, you you mentioned you're walking around the All Star Game. Steve Yzerman knows your name, right? You're you're commenting about players, and obviously sometimes the comments are good; they're playing well. But other times, some players are struggling, and you got to be honest. So, where do you find that balance with, you know, trying to tell it like it is, but also understanding from a player's perspective what they're going through? And have you had any interactions with some former players that were not happy with uh, some of the comments you've made? Um, I think the first part of that is just I'm very I think you have to not take yourself too seriously and you've got to admit when you're wrong. And I got no problem doing that. And I'll try, I'll, I'll make fun of myself in the process. And here's an example for you. Just to keep it even devils related. And there's many of these things where I've been wrong. Trust me. Earlier in the year, when, when Jack Hughes got hit, I, I made a comment on NHL network that I love Jack Hughes, but someone needs to work with him on, knowing his whereabouts on the ice and the dangerous areas of the ice. Cause he's, I don't want to see him being an injury riddled player. And I meant it with the right intentions, but you know, devil's fans took that as me coming down on Jack. 
since then, um, I don't think that's been an issue at all. Jack has been incredible. I've been impressed through and through the way he, he sees the ice, not just with his teammates, but he understands where other people are on the ice, the other team. And so towards the, when, when Jack was, was playing and he was um, lighting it up, I, you know, I, I made sure like, Hey, I got to own this. Like I said that, but I don't feel that anymore. He, he is, he's proven that like he's special and he, he does things differently and his hockey IQ is off the charts. So sometimes it's putting your foot in your mouth and that's okay. Uh, I don't get paid to be right. I get paid to give my opinion on my experiences. So um, I, I think that's part of it. But as far as the players, I, I think the hardest part a lot of times <clears throat> when I first started doing this is like your friends, your friends that you have in the game, then all of a sudden you ha start having conversations with them and you could just tell they're being a little reserved. And I've ha I had a, a friend I played with in Minnesota that I was talking to and he's just like a little reserved. I'm like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? Like, I listen, man, like if I, if I want something for television or I want something, I will come out and just say, Hey, can you give me blah, blah, blah. You don't have to do it or you can do it, whatever. But I'm not like, <laughs> we're still friends. Like, I'm not going to go out there and like, whatever. So I think that was the hardest part that I didn't really like off the hop is like, you got to earn the, it's almost like you have to earn the trust back in, in guys. But there's been plenty of nights where you go on there and, um, you know, quite frankly, and, and I, I know Sam, you, you used to be with the, the Penguins. Like right now, I've been pretty hard on Evgeny Malkin. I love Gino. Gino was one of the most fierce teammates I've had. I love playing with him. He's a, he's got a great sense of humor, but just to be frank right now, the way he's playing and the way he is playing without the puck, it's reckless. And in, in, in that team in Pittsburgh is going to lose. If he doesn't change, that's hard to say. I like him and I'm, I'm going to cross paths with him at some point, but I'm still going to say what I, does that mean? I don't think he's one of the best players of all time. No, that doesn't mean that he is that. I just think that if this Penguins team is going to do anything, Gino has to play better away from the puck. And so it, it's, it stinks, but I mean, that's, that's what it is. I mean, if you, if, if people can't, I'm not speaking in, in, in his situation as a player, like you got to ask yourself, am I getting picked on or is this a breakdown of, of, of what's happening or how I'm playing? So, um, you know, it, it, it was, it's tough at times. I mean, I've had to come down on, Hey, you can do it in a classy way. Like you could do it. You could take the high road. If, if uh, Zach Parisi makes a bonehead play, I could say bonehead. Now I'm not going to say that on air in that moment, but it'd be like, Hey, listen, nine times out of 10, Zach does this, but this is one that got away from him. He knows, he knows that. And you can kind of you know, make it a little bit better, but I haven't really had an incident where someone's like calling me up and, and giving me crap for, for what I say, at least at, at this point. <laughs> I, th I think the best part is when you're consistent with it. Right you're not riding like the same guy over and over again, but yeah. giving these other guys a pass. So you're very consistent with how you provide analysis. I think this is a perfect time to pivot as you analyze, you mentioned Jack Hughes, you know, on one hand fans feel maybe this is a lost season. The Devils didn't make the playoffs obviously, and they've been dealing with a lot of injuries, but on another hand, there's been some positive developments, particularly with Jack Hughes and Nico. He's sure. And now some of the depth guys coming alive, Dawson Mercer has been a bit of a revelation as well for yeah. you. Uh, what are your overall thoughts on the, the season for the devils? Well, I think, I think any year that you go into um, everybody wants to make the playoffs. We know only half the teams can. So what is, what measures a win for 
whether it's your company or your team or your business, what, what is, how do you measure success? How do you measure a win? And, and you got to tailor that to what your team and what the expectations are. For me, I'm not inside that room. I'm not in management with that group. My idea was, or my thought was, the devil's playing meaningful hockey down the stretch where maybe if they don't get in, or at least they're making a push to get in, that's success. That, that is a positive step in the right direction. That hasn't really been the case. So does that mean I think that this season was a failure? No. I mean, you didn't reach the goals you want. You can't, you weren't going to try to sugarcoat it. And like no one in that room should feel happy about how the season went. But at the same rate, there's a lot of really positives that we saw in this group. I've learned in the last two plus months, this team can score some goals. Like they can put some points on the board. And uh, to go back to even Jack, Jack's evolution as a player each year is he's gotten exponentially better each season. And he cranked it up another level. I think this guy being healthy all season in the next year is going to be tickling 100 points. He's going to have a 100-point season. That's a huge success. You, the success is developing, guys. Look at some of these other organizations that are struggling. The, the concern is when you're struggling and you have young guys who aren't developing. Are we seeing young guys develop here? Absolutely. Jack Hughes is a perfect example. Dawson Mercer, who you mentioned, awesome season. And he's a really bright spot for this team. Another guy, Igor Sharangovich. He's a, he's a, he's a guy that he came into the league. I'm like, well, I like him. I like him. Not just cause he wears number 17. I like him a lot. He does a lot of things out there. And then he kind of plateaued or not even plateaued. He dipped. And then I'm like, Oh, I don't know. Maybe he's not that guy that, that I thought he was. Well, he he's back to doing some of the things um, that, that he can do. And, and, and Nico Ishir, it's just the injuries have been an issue. We know with this team. And but we've seen development of of guys, developments of development of players. I think a, a healthy decor, maybe shaking things up. I think this this roster is going to look a little bit different. But there's a lot of things in place. Um, you know, Dougie Hamilton's been. I think he's an awesome signing. I think he changes that group. Um, yeah, I, I just uh, I think there's a, a lot of pieces. I think the the hardest thing and the biggest challenge for this group is is a five man unit. I'm not talking about D. I'm not singling out goaltending. You got to, this team has to learn how to keep the puck on the net. Uh, they can score, they can score. Uh, but now the next step is how do we, how do we consistently play good team defense? And, um, you know, it, to go back to the injury stuff as well, what does goaltending position look like? Mackenzie Blackwood, I really like him when he's healthy or when he's in. And um, so it, it's, it's about stabilizing that position um, I, I just think that the future's bright. I think at the end of the day, when, when I look at this devil's team, did they accomplish what they wanted to this year? No, but did they develop these young players? Absolutely. Like, I think you're seeing progress here. So I think the future's bright. Speaking of, you said the team next year might look a little different than they do this year. Put on your general manager hat right now. You're Tom Fitzgerald, you're sitting in the office. What are some of the, you don't have to name names or players or anything like that, but what are some of the areas of the game that you think the team needs to address for next season? If they want to, they want to compete during the stretch run. Um, I, I think at the, there's, there's, there's obviously, uh, uh, and I'm not trying to single this guy out, but there's this question mark with PK. Obviously that's something. I think PK knows that he's probably not going to, make the salary that he's been making. So what does that mean? Um, I'll tell you this. I still think there's a lot of value there in this guy. If it's the right price, 
And if it's not in New Jersey, he'll get it somewhere else because he's got value. He can, he can, he can still add in, in a positive way to your group. Um, so that, that's a, a question mark on the back end. I like this D group. I actually think this D group is, is coming along. Um, I like to see kind of what everybody's been talking about. I like to see a little more size in the top six on the wing. Um, that's something I think that could be, that can be something. Uh, I, I like some of the, the, the grit and the sandpaper in the bottom six. I like some of those, the, the size and the guys down in that area, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it'll be interesting if, if, if in the top six, you can get in, in Jesper Bratt's been incredible. I mean, that's been like a revelation this year, what he's done, but I think they need to get someone up in that, that top six. That's it's easier said than done a power forward type. Um, I mean, I sit there, I, 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 I brainstorm all the, or I'm always thinking of playing GM and, and, and maybe it's in fantasy land. I don't know if this would ever happen, but let's look out in Calgary. They've got some really tough decisions to make. They've got a RFA in Matthew Kachuk, who's got like a hundred points. And they've got a UFA in Johnny Gaudreau, who might win the, the, uh, the heart trophy for MVP. I don't know what their appetite is there. I don't think they're going to be able to afford both guys. In my mind, I don't think they'll let this guy go, but I'm like, can you imagine? And Weeks and I talk about all the time. Like, can you imagine if the devs can, can get Matthew Kachuk somehow? Like that would be incredible. Like these are, you know, you see, you see your hot stove in. that's, that's why this is fun. We can do it. We do it on air, or, you know, on air and behind the scenes. But I think a guy like that, which there's not many like that. There actually might only be one or two guys like Matthew Kachuk, but a guy that can produce, but also play with a little bit of angst in his game. Um, I think that's an area where this team can, can really benefit from. You're saying they need a, a Mike Rupp type player in the top six, is what you're saying, right? <laughs> a Mike Rupp that can score more, though. A Mike <laughs> Rupp that can score more. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know what? I don't think this team is uh, – health is everything in the NHL. I don't think they're far off. I really do, and I'm not saying it because – I'm not saying it because I'm a, I, I have a devil's hat and I, uh, I used to play for the Devils and I'm talking to you guys. I really do think the future is very, very bright here. And it's about just keep taking that next step. And quite frankly, just being healthy, I think is going to be a huge, a, a huge component to that. Robert, you mentioned obviously a couple of guys that have jumped out to you. You mentioned Yegor Shangovich last year. It was a guy that wasn't on your radar, but then obviously exploded onto the scene. Did anybody have a, a surprising year for you this year? It doesn't have to necessarily be a no name, but maybe like a Jesper Brad or somebody that had like an explosive season, maybe even a Jack Hughes, but somebody that coming into the year, you weren't necessarily expecting to have quite the season that they've had. And they've just blown up. Um, yeah, I, I think that, uh, I wasn't expecting, I, I really like uh, Jesper Bratt and I, I think that he is, has been a really good player. I didn't know he was going to be a point of game type guy. So I think that was a real positive Dawson Mercer's made that, um, transition really nicely. Um, uh, that that's, that's tough to do. And, and I thought he's been, he's been really good. Um, so those two guys, I guess I didn't, I didn't know Brat was going to be as good as this. And I didn't know that Mercer was going to be this impactful this early. So I guess those are the two guys. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's uh there's one guy that I, I think was, is a, is a key component in, in this group. And I remember talking to Patty Eliash after, uh, during training camp and he was telling me about his, uh, his fellow Czech uh, player in, in Pebble Zaka. And he told me how this guy is so talented and, and how good he is. And, um, he may be one of the most talented guys on this, on this roster. So I, I think that he's a special player that 
is I'm waiting for him to break out. I'm waiting for him to kind of crank it up another level. I think when a guy like that hits and cranks it up to another level, next thing you know, this is, this is going to make that team uh, that much more dangerous. So he, he's kind of like the one I'm looking to uh, in the future is just, just take it to that next level. I think he's been, he's been good in his career, but um, you know, he, he's a guy that uh, it's, you know, he's, he's not, he's not old. He's 25 years old and he has um, pushing 400 games, I think in the NHL. That's, that's good. Now it's time to crank it up a notch and I, and I'm looking forward to see how he does that. Let's uh, move on to your career and just talk a little bit about your career as a player. I've always liked this question. Some people have answers. Some people don't, but who was the hardest player to play against while you were in the league? The hardest player to play against. Um, That's a really hard one. Um, Oh man. One of the, I, I don't know if I have an answer. I think for me in particular, that there's some of the frustrating guys to play against. Um, a lot of times it's your own teammates because you see them every day in practice. Um, <laughs> I, I find that the ones that compete and they do certain things, I always found that little defensemen that have a real good base to them, low center of gravity, and they're just smart. They're really tough to play against. And I remember, um, you know, I always thought, Ryan Rafalski from playing with him uh, in New Jersey there, he was incredibly frustrating to play against. And uh, he just always get underneath as a big guy. He'd always, me being big, he'd get underneath my hands and uh, he would always, he was in, he wouldn't, I wanted uh, as a player with my size, someone to come and play me physically. Cause if you play me physically, that that's, that's what I do. So if you come in, I can use my body to shield you off. But when smart, smaller defensemen come in and sometimes they come in, but then sometimes they stop up, you're, you're waiting and you're wandering and, and, and you, you just feel out of sorts. And then they, they sneak in and they attack at the right time. He was one, another one that's in Minnesota. Now he's a the captain. There is Jared Spurgeon. Um, he was man. I, small or not, he is smart. He's so hard to play against. And, uh, I found that those guys were really difficult. I mean, clearly playing against guys too. There's, there's plenty that were, there were, were very difficult, but, um, you know, a lot of times it was, it was those types of guys, uh, that just small defensemen that you, you, you want to have your way with because you're much bigger than, but it's really hard to do that. It's a very interesting perspective. Uh, speaking of the, the player mold, I like to ask players this too, but what is the thing you miss most from the playing days? Now you're someone that stayed obviously in the game. Some people we've talked to have like obviously moved on from the game, but you're still involved. But from your playing days, what do you miss most about those, that, that 10 years you had in the NHL 10 years plus? Um, I, I think the biggest thing is um, it's one of them is, is the team meals on the road. Uh, I mean, that's where all the story times come out. That's where you, you come together as a group. Um, you know, it's, it was really that, that I think a lot of times the camaraderie, you, you miss a ton guys just kind of giving it to each other. Uh, that, that's something I think that most players probably first and foremost, uh, miss second, the second thing, and, and I'm not trying to sound like, uh, you know, like a, a hero or, or a gladiator or anything, but I, I loved finishing games, tough games where 
whether it's block shots, taking hits, giving out hits. I used to love the the feeling when you win and you walk in the training room afterwards and there's just ice bags getting dished out everywhere. And it's just like to walk in the room like that and feel, feel satisfied, but know that like it costs something, you know what I mean? And it, it, that was something where, you know, you're, you're a part of something bigger than yourself. It's, it's something where that's something tangible that you can, you can sink your teeth into. We won music's blaring. Everyone's happy. You know, we're, we got ice bags galore guys get stitches and, uh, it's like, we did a good job today. You know, that's, that's one of the things I miss the most. And last one for you, and then we'll let you go. Uh, obviously appreciate your time, but obviously we've, we've talked about the Stanley cup goal many times, but besides that moment, is there any one moment that really stands out to you about your career, whether it was having a big hit, a big fight, obviously that's the cup goal is the big goal, but like besides that one, that's so obvious, but anything else really stand out to you from like, Hey man, this kind of like signified my career. Um, yeah, I don't know if it signified my career, but as far as me, I I've dreamt about playing in the NHL since, uh, like most kids, since I was six years old. And, uh, you know, my mom, my mom brought out, I remember with the, um, a couple things. I remember as, as a young kid, um, I, whatever, whatever you want, what do you want to be when you grow up And the normal reactions in, in class where, you know, firefighter, you know, policeman, whatever it was. And, and from, this was in first grade, she has, she saved the paper. I said, I wanted to be a pro hockey player. And so that's all I ever wanted to be. And I always thought I would be it. And, um, it, that's, that's tough to keep that going in your mind, but the, my family around me, never told me it wasn't going to happen. I grew up in Cleveland and there really wasn't many people from there prior. So I was never told, well, Hey, you know, chances are that's not going to happen. And I guess my point in all this is I get my first NHL game. Uh, I get called up on my birthday in, uh, in 2000 and 2003. So I get my first NHL game on my birthday. And at that point, yeah, sure. You want to take advantage of the opportunity. You want to play in the league for a long time, but at the same rate, I don't know if I'm ever going to play another game. It could be just one game. I got called up because there was an injury and, um, you know, I got called up and I remember just like, I remember thinking to myself, what can I do to buy myself game two? And what, what can I do? Um, I was scared. I, I didn't know this was it. So what do I do? Do I, do I savor this moment? Like, how do I absorb this? Because it might end. Or, or at the same time, you're trying to prolong it as long as you can. And uh, I was very fortunate in that game to get a couple feeds from my teammates and was able to score two goals. And it felt like, well, I at least bought myself the next game. Right. So I think that that for me was like, um, if even if it all ended then, it's easy to say that now, but even if it all ended then, I played. And that's all I ever said I was going to do. I was going to make it. So anything after that was kind of icing on the cake. So I, I just think that thinking back at that time, I just remember the excitement that was back when uh center ice package on direct TV. I remember my family, my this, uh, you know, uh, distant relatives. Uh, I got called up the night before the game and that next day they were calling and I, we had like eight different family members that got direct TV installed in their house. They got the guy come out, they tipped them a hundred bucks to come put the dish on top of the house. And they were trying to get it all situated for the game that night against the Florida Panthers. So that was like a really proud moment that everybody got to be a part of with me that supported me along the way.
That's awesome. Thank you so much for giving us the time. We always like to, you know, give you an opportunity to plug anything you might be working on or any projects coming up. Do you got anything you want to share with Devils fans? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, um, I, I started doing, uh, doing a podcast this year and it's been a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. Um, so it's called that's hockey talk and it's, um, under the, the Pat McAfee umbrella there. And it's a great group of guys. And, We've been doing Wednesday nights. Uh, we kind of do like a live watch along at eight o'clock Eastern uh, every Wednesday. And we kind of watch the games that night and just have fun. So that's, that's been something that's been really neat to just, we just started this year and uh, just kind of picking away at it. So that's something I enjoy. So if anybody wants to check it out, it's, it's that's hockey talk and it's on YouTube. Uh, it's a, we have a good time. Hope everybody would enjoy it. I'm sure devil's fans will. Thank you so much. Robert. Awesome. Thanks guys. 